This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Neimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Simcha Jacobovici speaks about the lost gospel. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Simcha to the stage. So, our first speaker is Simcha Jacobovich. Simcha. So Simcha is an old pal of ours, and those of you who watch television have seen him all over the screen. He is the naked archaeologist. All dressed now (laughs) for this special 16th anniversary. (laughs) And all I can say, um, this is his latest book, but when it comes to Simcha, insofar as conventional academia and conventional wisdom is concerned, it's one outrage after another. So, Simcha, why don't you pick up the story about the lost gospel, and maybe a little later we'll talk about the other stuff you've done and that you have revealed on this stage. Off you go. So, I'll just set up. I have a three-minute video I dug into my very limited time, but I think a picture's worth a thousand words, so we'll show it to you in a minute. I'll I'll just set it up first. I don't want to, by the way, I don't want to offend anybody's faith. I'm reporting on history and archaeology, and, well, I should say this. I'm literally the Jew who found Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean that, not theologically, I'm not a Christian, but I, I feel that I believe that I literally found Jesus, meaning we found the tomb. We identified the tomb of Jesus and his entire family in a suburb of Jerusalem called Talpiot. Uh, This made a lot of news a few years back, and then I was, I think, on this very stage in 2009, I think it was, to report of how we found Jesus. And, um, you know, it was Larry King, it was Anderson Cooper, it was everywhere, and then everybody went home and forgot about it. Um, I remember going through uh, the airport in LaGuardia, and I give my passport, and the guy looks at it, looks up, says, you're the guy who said he found the tomb of Jesus. I said, yeah, you know, very modest. Yeah, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. And he said, turned out to be a lot of nonsense, huh? <laughs> and I said, why do you say that? And he's, I thought maybe he read the book, thought it, I wrote a book about that, saw the movie. He said, because if it was true, I'd be hearing about it all the time. 
And he had a point. It suddenly, you know, I went home and, you know, it was very frustrating. Honey, I, I found Jesus and nobody cares. <laughs> so, in that kind of uh, twilight, we would continue to make documentaries about the start of early Christianity. And it was at that moment, because kept on researching and researching, that um, my colleague, my co-writer of that book that Moses uh, uh, held up, uh, Professor Barry Wilson, I mean, he's a real scholar. I'm a journalist, filmmaker, a naked archaeologist, but he's a real scholar and one of the experts in early, world experts in early Christianity. And we teamed up to, to decode a lost gospel. So in a sense, we found Jesus, now we found the backstory. Uh, but let me show you three minutes of video so you get a real a feel. A forbidden Christian message is found encoded inside a manuscript almost 1,500 years old. Using state-of-the-art imaging technology, investigators discover what they believe to be a lost gospel. Do these new readings finally prove the controversial claim that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married? And even more remarkably, do they suggest a strange version of Christianity, perhaps started by Mary Magdalene herself? A form of worship so controversial that it was snuffed out by the church. manuscript section of the British Library is item 17202. At first glance, the book seems to be an elaboration of a story in the biblical book of Genesis, the patriarch Joseph's meeting with an Egyptian woman named Asenat. But the text is full of mysterious, undeciphered symbols that for centuries have stumped scholars. Recently, Investigative journalist Simka Yakubovich and New Testament scholar Professor Barry Wilson offered a possible solution for this mystery and suggested that behind this seemingly Jewish tale lies an encoded Christian gospel telling the story of the marriage of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. At first, this may sound like an outrageous conclusion to draw. But this is a strange text. And the closer we looked, the more we realized that there was more here than meets the eye. If we write, this manuscript could rewrite our understanding of the birth of Christianity. This letter dates probably from about the year 550. Their first clue that this is more than a simple story comes in the form of two letters attached to the ancient book. They were probably written by monks who came across this text in the 6th century. The letters claim that the manuscript contains a dangerous, encoded message concerning our Lord, our God, who became flesh. But just as the meaning of the text is about to be revealed, one of the letters seems to be purposely cut. Was the letter accidentally torn? Or did someone take a knife to this ancient document in order to hide the true meaning of the text? To answer these questions, the team turns to spectral imaging experts using cutting-edge technologies to see whether the 6th century manuscript, written in the ancient Syriac language, 
was deliberately censored. Coming up after the break. This is a 1,500-year-old detective story. We, I think, solved the crime. This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Simcha Jakubovici. For more information about Idea City or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Simcha Jakubovici speak about the lost gospel. This is a, a perfect replica of that text, the skin and the binding using the same leather, but it's the actual text. At the British Library, they wouldn't let you touch it. You have to wear gloves and so on. It's the rare manuscript section. So we actually created this and it hadn't been even photographed for like 60 years. It was only these black and white uh, images. And we, we restored, we were able to x-ray and restore letters that you couldn't see. They were, they were underneath the ink. And as you saw, this is a detective story. It's a 1,500-year-old detective story. 1,500 years after the act of censorship where someone cut the manuscript so as to hide the story that it was telling, we, we got to it. We, I think, solved the crime. We had it translated by Professor Tony Burke, an expert in Syriac, which is a, a kind of a a language uh, that's related to Aramaic and Hebrew, the languages that Jesus spoke. And uh, we had it translated and we had it decoded. Now someone might say, why do you have to decode anything? Because there's such a concept as typology in, in uh, Christian theology. And that means that uh, according to Christian theology, the entire Old Testament is a prefiguration, a setup, a foreshadowing of Jesus and, and the, the New Testament. So therefore there are types. Joseph is a type of Jesus. This is not me, this is basic Christian theology and it's certainly central to the Syriac church, a church that still exists. Now, why is he a type of Jesus? Because like Jesus, he was thought dead, but then it turned out he was alive. Like Jesus, he was betrayed. He was thrown in the dungeon. There's lists of hundreds of similarities between Joseph, the biblical Joseph from the book of Genesis, and Jesus. And when the Syriac church basically says, when we say Joseph, we mean Jesus. That's not us. That's, that's Ephorat. That, that's people. It's... it's Syriac theologians from 1500 years ago. So we use their own typology to take a text, a gospel that was hiding in plain sight at the British Library, it's been there for over 100 years, um, and we decoded it. And it was very simple in a sense, it wasn't quite the Da Vinci Code. Um, what we did is we substituted, where it says Joseph, we put Jesus. And you could say, well, Joseph's biblical wife was Asnat. Why she Mary Magdalene? People think Mary Magdalene is a name. It's not a name, it's a title. Migdal, then and now in Hebrew, means tower. Mary Magdalene, on her mailbox it didn't say Ms. Magdalene. Mary Magdalene means Mary the tower lady. 
So it either means the towering figure or a woman who lived in a tower or a person who came from tower town, Migdal, but it means the tower lady. And in this text, Asnat is portrayed one way and one way only, living in a tower. So once we substituted that, what we got is the inside story, if you will, the backstory, the history behind the Gospels. Coming up after the break. To the people who believed in this, she was the most, she was a co-messiah, if you will, and their relationship was central to their beliefs. This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Simcha Jakabovici. Idea City is a program of talks about the world's biggest ideas, featuring the world's smartest people. For more information about the three-day Idea City live conference or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Simcha Jakabovici speak about the lost gospel. It, it doesn't really contradict the Gospels in a sense, in some sense it does, but it fills in. So what it tells us, it's in three sections. The first two sections is a love story. It's boy meets girl, boy rejects girl because she's not Jewish. Remember, Jesus is called rabbi in the Gospels, in, 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 in the New Testament. And he rejects her. Why does he reject her? Because she's not Jewish. This is new information. Who is she? She's a Canaanite. She's a Phoenician. And she, why is she living in the tower? Because the tower is a place of Canaanite worship. She is a priestess. She's a vestal virgin. According to this, the original Virgin Mary is not the mother, but the wife. Now, this, again, I don't want to contradict anybody's theology, but where I come from, moms are never virgins. <laughs> and wives are sometimes virgins when you meet them. So it made sense that the original Virgin Mary was the wife. And according to this text, that's the case. And what happens according to this text, and it's very exciting because you're looking at the big bang of Christianity. They join in a new enterprise. They try to bring together, she abandons her pagan gods, she accepts not Judaism, but monotheism, and together they set out to create really a universal religion. In a sense, they succeeded. But in marked contrast, central to this religion is their physical and sexual relationship. That's not me, that's this text. And this text existed and was copied only in monasteries, right? There's no Jewish context for this thing. There's, no, there's only a Christian context. And it's what scholars call a Gnostic context, meaning according to the people who saw this as a gospel, the most important thing about Jesus and Mary Magdalene was their bedroom. And it makes sense 
because it says it's called the bridal chamber theology because they were the ones who were able to come on earth and show us how the carnal, the physical and the spiritual can be perfectly united as opposed to being divided. Basically, what we believe is that Paul adopted this theology and wrote her out of the story. But to the people who believed in this, she was the most, she was a co-messiah, if you will, and their relationship was central to their beliefs. Finally, they had two children, and this text tells us the, the politics behind the crucifixion of how this theology that started in the Galilee ended up with one of its two leaders being on the cross. Now, there's an elite that monopolizes knowledge. And if you don't sing their tune, they either marginalize, demonize, or if they can't say anything, they don't say anything, and, and the story it basically is made to go away by, sheerly, by being ignored in all academic and theological circles. In a way, that's what's happened. The fact that in the last few years, Jesus' tomb was found, and now, the, the historical and archaeological evidence points to this as the, as the, the backstory of the crucifixion. As my friend that, uh, that's checking passports at LaGuardia, if it was true, I'd hear about it all the time. Well, I believe it is true. And when people's collective psyche is ready for it, I think he will be hearing about it all the time. And maybe the truth will come out of Idea City and this little platform will grow and grow and grow and everybody will find Jesus, literally. Coming up after the break. Any Pashtun, you say, what tribe? They say, we're talking about 16 million people say, we are Bani Israel. We are the children of Israel. They're still divided in biblical tribes. You're listening to Idea City on the Air, brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Simcha Jakubovici. Get the latest idealist news, presenter information, and watch hundreds of talks at ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. We now conclude Simcha Jakubovici's talk on the lost gospel. Now, for my failings, I have always found Simcha's work amazingly persuasive. Uh, he plotted a new route that better explains the Exodus, for example, in one of his great documentaries. And in another, to my amazement and a little bit to my horror, I think you prove that one of the most virulent enemies of Israel and of Jews in the world, the Pashtun, these uh, very uh, extreme Muslims in Afghanistan, are actually descended from one of the ten tribes. Did you really <laughs> well, make I, that proof? Yes, I made a film called um, Quest for the Lost Tribes. Right. And, um, you know, they're not enemies of Israel. The, the Pashtun are the people that we hear about as the Taliban, okay? Now, the Taliban is not a people, it's not a tribe, it's a political and religious movement. The people are called Pashtun. 
Um, when I went there, nobody had heard of them, at least, you know, just people looking for really good weed. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now everybody knows about Afghanistan and the Taliban and so on. You land in Pakistan, you're picked up by a, a cab driver who's a Pashtun, because they're in Pakistan and Afghanistan, and you say, excuse me, sir, do you belong to a tribe? And he says, yes. I mean, any, any, any Pashtun, you say, what tribe? They say. We're talking about 16 million people say, we are Bani Israel, we are the children of Israel. They're still divided in biblical tribes. Gadun, uh, Ephraim, which is a Afridi today. Uh, um, Rabani, the prime minister of Afghanistan was named Rabani. You ask him, sir, why are you called Rabani? He says, I'm from the tribe of Reuven. And the last thing I wanna say about this thing is that it would seem that this is just interesting historically, but it's interesting today. The CIA, all these guys running around Afghanistan don't realize that they have potential allies. You said they're enemies, but they're potential allies. Once we start understanding history, I think that we can actually put it to use also in things like combating the Taliban, but not the Pashtun. Now in Israel, when they heard me say this, they said, wait a minute, are you saying you want 100,000 Talibans to emigrate to Israel? <laughs> no, thank you. I'm not quite saying that, but I think the day will happen that there will be 100,000 path like Ethiopian Jews, over 100,000 that made it to Israel. One day you will go and you'll see all these Afghanis running around Tel Aviv. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I think all the way back to Raiders of the Lost Ark, there is a fascination with ancient archaeology, and I hope to pursue this fascination at greater length next year. But Simka, if you'll forgive me and permit me, I want to read a quote from one of your great debunkers. Could I do that? It's just, it's so much fun. Sure. So he says about your work, it's speculation wrapped in hearsay couched in conspiracy, masquerading as science, ensconced in sensationalism, slathered with misinformation, and topped with a colorful hat. <laughs> and all I can say is that they got to work that hard to put somebody's ideas down. You know he's probably on the right track. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.